Well, we are uh, starting a new series today, and it is called The Table, hence the stage prop here. Um, this table's really heavy, that way no one can steal it. But uh, we are, we're focusing on this new series, and we're also going to be taking communion over the next couple weeks, every single week. And uh, in, the, in the table series, the heart with it is that everyone is invited to the table to taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus' invitation is to every single one of us. Not only every single one of us in this room, but every single person out of this room. He hasn't just sent out invite cards to, you know, I don't know if you remember like being in elementary school and maybe your parent or somebody was throwing you a birthday party and they're like, okay, you can invite, you know, your five best friends or, you know, you're, you're telling somebody, you know, who are your friends? And it's like, well, this is my first best friend and this is my second best friend. And well, he used to be my third best friend, but I actually think he's my fourth best friend because my fifth best friend is now my third best friend. And, um, you know, it, it's not like that. He sent out an invitation to every single one of us. And the invitation is to come and taste and see that he is good. Now, we, though, have an option of coming and sitting at the table, which some of us sometimes don't even come to the table because we think it's too good to be true or we think it's going to be awkward or we don't know. So we actually never even come to the table. Others of us are like a little kid that just can't sit still and is always moving around. That's, that's who I was. And, uh, and, and, so, and we don't want to stay at the table. And so we're all invited to the table, but it's really up to us to choose, do I want to stay at the table? Do I want to stay in Christ's presence and allow Jesus to come and change me from the inside out and change who I am, to change my character, to change the way I see things. But the big thing is that we all remember that every single one of us has been invited to come taste and see, but also that we remember that it's not just us that have been invited. We're all VIPs. And so is everyone else. And so we don't think, oh yeah, I'm special. I'm at the front of the line. No, he's inviting everyone to come. And many times it's easy though, once you get kind of like a VIP pass. Anybody here ever have a VIP pass to anything, whether it be a concert, maybe a birthday party, maybe a fundraiser, something. And all of a sudden you feel, I don't know, you just feel your shoulders go. It's easier to have good posture. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> and but you start to see yourself as different than everyone else. We want to see ourselves as special that, yeah, we're being invited, but that we're no better than anyone else. So in this, so the, the heart, everyone is invited to the table to taste and see that the Lord is good. The winds, with this, there's six of them. We remember when we were invited to the table and realized the impact of that invitation, our testimony. It's very easy to forget those things and not just because we get older and short-term, long-term memory loss or things like that, but we just, we grow complacent. We get used to it. And it's like, ah, that was just an old story. It no longer wows us. It's no longer this, like, I can't believe 
what's taken place. We grow used to the feeling. So we never want to forget. We want to remember when we are invited to the table and realize the impact of that invitation. That is our testimony. We have a story to tell that that would never be lost. The second one, we remember and embrace. So it's not just a thought. It's actually something we hold on to and embrace what the table of the Lord represents, communion. We're going to be doing that later on. And I am a spitter, and so I just want you to know there are covers. This is an empty tabletop uh, container because we want to keep you sanitary, okay? So just if you see something fly, I just want you to know you're safe. So we want to remember and embrace what the table of the Lord represents. What do those elements represent? What are we actually remembering? When he said, do this in remembrance of me, what is it that we're remembering? The third one, we realize that as Jesus invited those who were rejected, so he has and still is inviting us to his table. We're accepted. You and I are accepted. Even when we go out and we make a mistake, he's still saying, come back. I want you to come back to my table. Never like, you know what? That was your last time. I'm changing the lock. The code is different. You're no longer welcome at my table. Now, he might want us to change something about the way we operate, the way we talk, the way we act. But he's always inviting us back to his table. So we realize that as Jesus invited those who were rejected, so he has and is inviting us to his table. We're accepted. All right, the fourth one. We realize we are God's children, loved. You are God's son and daughter. And you are loved. You are his son and daughter, and you are loved. You've maybe had people tell you that you aren't. You maybe had people tell you a lot of terrible things. But that's not him. You are loved. We accept the fullness of God's grace at his table. When sitting there, we don't have to hold our head low, we don't have to avoid eye contact. We don't have to think that the dessert isn't for us or we just get the scraps or that he's not interested in asking you about your life or your stories don't interest him, that he's not going to laugh at your jokes, that you're just terrible at humor and he just isn't going to think you're funny. So you just have to sit there kind of embarrassed and shy. No, he, he loves you and he wants to know you and he wants to dwell with you. Last one here is we realize the universal power of inviting others to our table and act on that power by inviting others to our table as we've been invited, hospitality. That you and I would not just be a people that accept the grace of God, accept the love of God, remember the impact of being invited but then do nothing with it. And we just kind of hoard it for ourselves. Like, nope, this one's mine. There's not enough room for you guys. This is my seat and that's his seat. Stay away. No, but it's like, no, this table will grow. I don't have to worry about its size and how many chairs and what's on the table. It will grow because he's inviting everyone in. And it's not just inviting everyone into a, building that we call the church. No, because you and I are the church and he wants us to go and invite people into our own homes, our neighbors, 
And again, not just the ones we like, especially the ones we don't like. Our coworkers, people from our schools, whatever, whoever it is that you encounter, he wants us to invite them in to represent who he is in that way. All right, a story of this. So today we're talking about the table, invited. You and I are invited. And we want to make sure that we're inviting everyone else. Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bibles, you can open there. If you don't, we're going to put it on the screen. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. If you don't know what that means, tax collectors were not like. Now, you and I, we think of the IRS and we're like, oh, you know, people always want to talk down on the IRS. I want you to know, I've had encounters with the IRS and they're actually quite friendly, okay? They're not all bad. But in this day, the taxes, it was something where they, it was being just, it kept being taken from them. And it just seemed very unjust. Now you might feel that way as well with the IRS, but that's not what we're here to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> but as the chief tax collector, if you hated the average tax collector, Let's just imagine what you would think of the chief tax collector, okay? So everyone just gets somebody in your mind. Now forgive them, but then put them back in your mind as you think about this. So he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He'd become very rich because, not just because his job was a high job, and so there was a really good salary and some decent benefits. He became really rich because he was taking from it. He would, he would even sometimes set his own fees and say, you know what, yeah, that's what they said it was last week. This week's a little more, and, and I'm gonna... He would hold on to it. So he tried to get a look at Jesus. So Jesus, here he is, he's coming into Jericho. He's heard about it. He wants a look. But he was too short to see over the crowd. Anybody here ever, let's just, you know what, let's just, just say it. Ben, have you ever felt too short? No? How tall are you, 6'7"? Six, 6'7"? Seven? Six, seven. Anybody here feel sorry for him? No? Okay. <clears throat> so he was too short to see Jesus. There's a big crowd of people, and he just feels like he's not going to see him, and he wants to see him. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. So he kind of, he knew where the parade route was going to be. I remember once when I first moved up here in the late 90s, uh, the, the Rose Parade was going on. And so we got a couch out there on one of the roads, forget which road, maybe Burnside, and had to get it out there like two days early and stay up. Thought it was going to just be the neatest thing, staying up like for, I don't know, 48 hours straight or something like that for this parade. And by, I don't know, <laughs> maybe... 5 a.m. on Saturday morning when the parade was. It was like, this, this wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And then when the parade happened, it was like, this is the dumbest thing in the world. And I don't know, maybe you love parades, but the staying up seemed more fun, but the parade itself, I don't know. But so he knew where Jesus was going to be. He climbs up on this tree because he wants to get a view of him. Now, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name, Zacchaeus. You ever had somebody remember your name? Have you ever, anybody here ever had somebody forget your name? 
And you're like, seriously? We've known each other a long time. But have you ever had somebody that you maybe respected or and in, in, in they remembered your name and it was like, whoa, you actually remember who I am? But not only like remember what I look like or sound like, but you actually remember my name? Jesus calls him by name, Zacchaeus. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Calls him by name. Jesus is calling you and I by name. And he wants to be a guest. He wants to come to the table with us. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. So they were disgusted with it. How easy is that for you and I, though, to have the same attitude where we see someone come in and the way they're dressed, the way they smell, the way they carry themselves, we size them up. We see it and we instantly determine. Tomorrow and I just drove down to California. I'm not going to totally admit our sins, so don't worry about it, honey. Uh, we drove down to California and <clears throat> there's this one driver, this car has a couple bumper stickers and it's just erratic and going it passes us we're on 199 between grants pass and crescent city and uh so we instantly start talking about who we think is driving the car we haven't seen the person yet but we're just sizing up based off of the style of the car what what type of bumper stickers we can't actually read them yet but we're sizing it up and we have this thing and then all of a sudden we get to a slow point and I can see in the driver's side rearview mirror and I can now see the person's face, which wasn't what we were expecting. So now we had to come up with a whole, oh, I got it. Okay, so now it's this. And so now we come up with a completely different scenario. And this, this is going on for like 45 minutes and we're having a heyday, we're loving it. And we've just sized this person up. Now, needless to say, there was a couple other cars previously that I sized up that she thought I was just totally judgmental on. Like, how do you know? Oh, like they're all that way or, you know, that kind of thing. But now it's totally fine. She's on board with this judgment. <laughs> so we're doing it. And uh, yeah, it was just funny. I'm not gonna say any more than that because that's where I'll get in trouble. But. Um, why am I talking about that? Oh, yeah. So we judge people based off of what we see or what we hear, and we size it up. You know, and sometimes we're actually right. You and I are right in what we think their lifestyle is based off of the, what we see. But you know what we're wrong on is what got them to that place. We're dead wrong on that. No one should be judging you. I shouldn't judge you of what got you to your place and what you've been through. And we shouldn't be judging others. Now, it doesn't mean we have to agree with the choice of where they stand today and try to validate it. But how dare we judge them as if we know the road that they've walked, the opportunities they've had, the, the things that have been inflicted on them that were not their choice. And that's what these people are doing is they're looking and they're saying, Jesus, how in the world can you go to dinner with this person? Do you know who he is? What they're saying is, do you know what he does? What Jesus is saying is, do you know who he can be? 
who I said he was originally and what I believe he can go from that point to this point over here. I'm not looking at this right here. I want to address it. I want to talk to him about it, but that's not what I'm focused on. I'm focused on who I believe he can become. So the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. That's exactly the home that Jesus should have been in. But you know, it's so easy in the church for us to think, because you know what? You and I can be just like the Pharisees. Many times we want to ridicule them, but we're a lot like them. And we think, oh, Jesus should have been like with the disciples going through, you know, the 12 steps to righteousness or whatever. And is righteousness a word? No. Um, but it's a new one. And it's a great thing to achieve if you and I can get there. But we think he should be in this other place. But no, that's exactly where he should be. And if that's where he should be, it's where you and I should be. Is inviting the person into our home where others would be like, whoa, what's going on? You know, what, 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 are, they, what are they thinking? Like, what if someone, what if someone sees? Man, that's, that's not a good testimony if you're hanging out with that person. That's who Jesus was with, and that's who he called us to be with. Earlier in Luke, Jesus calls Levi, Matthew. Um, he goes by both names in, in the Gospels. Calls it, He's a tax collector. He wasn't the chief one, so he wasn't the most hated. But he was definitely on the hated list, uh, just wasn't number one. And he calls, he calls him out of his tax booth and says, I want you to come follow me. And there's this whole thing about, do you know who he is? Same thing again. And again, he talks about a doctor. He says, you know, it's not the healthy that need the doctor, it's the sick. But it's so easy to get into this mindset that we just want to sit healthy with the doctor. And somehow that's going to make us even healthier. Instead of seeing that the reason the doctor's a doctor is to help those that aren't healthy and to bring them into health. So Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to help the hurting, to comfort them. And then later on, Jesus was another time at a table. And a woman came who had a colorful past. And people, she comes and she pours oil down on his feet. She's there and she's... And people start, the Pharisee that invited him in is thinking, ah, and in his head. Now, what he forgot was that this is Jesus, and Jesus knows how to read the mind. But he's thinking in his head, man, if Jesus knew who she was, he would never do this. He wouldn't allow this to take place. And Jesus called them on it again, reminding them of who he came for. 
in who he wants to connect with. So what's the point? Is that there's a table that you and I have been invited to. And sometimes, whether it be like a song or whether it even be taking communion, we can get so used to it that it's just kind of like, yeah, it's another cracker, it's another shot glass of, of grape juice, and it's going to taste awful, and it's going to be too sweet, and, you know, let's, but we forget what it stands for. We also forget what it felt like the first time we were over here alone, just kind of wandering around, feeling like no one noticed us. And he said, Peter, it's like he knows my name. It's like, I want you to come sit with me. I got a seat just for you. And I want you to sit down. I want you to eat with me. I want you to know you're my son. That I love you. That I got plans for you. That I see greatness in you. I want to invite you to come and to walk with me. I want to invite you to dwell with me. Not only right now but I want you to know that this seat is always for you. I want you to come back here every chance you get and sit at the table with me and be with me. Even, Peter, even when you totally mess up and you go against every single thing I ever recommended you to do and you got all of it on your face, you've you've totally blown it. I want you to know I will never give that chair to another person. That seat is yours. And I'm calling you to come. I want to break off the shame. I want to break off the condemnation. And I'm inviting you to come. But just do this one thing for me. Don't ever forget your testimony. Don't forget where you came from. Because as soon as you forget where you came from, you're not going to be able to see where others are at. And you're not going to be able to see where they came from. Because you're going to judge them off of where you are. But you got to remember the only reason you are where you are is because I came into your life and because I invited you to the table. So don't forget your testimony. Don't forget what these elements stand for. It's not just a ritual. It's not just something to do so that you can feel like a good Christian. It represents something powerful. And impactful. So uh, if the ushers will come forward, we're going to take communion. And uh, the praise team, you guys can come back up. We're going to listen to a song here in a minute that they're going to kind of sing. And the words are going to be up there. And I just ask that you you sit and they're going to pass this out. It's more of a, a song for you to reflect on and to reflect on the words. But we believe with all of our heart that God is calling us to be a church, to be a community where we don't forget the impact the table had on our own life, using that as the metaphor. We never forget it. We want to always keep that at the forefront of our mind because from that place of gratitude, we're more likely to then want to express and see other people accept the same gift but also that we would remember that God is inviting everyone to come and taste and see that he is good. 
That could be everyone that comes through the doors that maybe we would sometimes be quick to judge. Or, well, I'm going to give them one week. One week. One week to decide if they're going to stay in that chair or not. How many weeks has God given you and I? And I tell you, there are some really silly things in my life. Someone just handed me a piece of paper of some goals I wrote. Jan, how long ago were those? So 2017, it's no different than the paper I would have written in 97 or when I was in middle school doing a discipleship thing. Basically the same goals because I knew who God wanted me to be. What's crazy is I'm still not that person. But you know what? He's still saying, you're my son. Even though I'm still not hitting it exactly the way I thought I was going to. And I'm still tripping. He's still saying, get up and walk forward again.